Hello, I'm Marie-Ietz Neyman. Welcome to Calm, Clear and Helpful, a weekly podcast series on taking good care of yourself and others. Today's topic is Resilience, Learning How to Stand Strong. My guest is Dr. Rina de Klerk-Weyer, Learning and Development Specialist, Author and Life Coach who focuses on Emotional Intelligence. Welcome, Rina. Thank you so much and thank you for the awesome opportunity to plant seeds and make a little difference. That sounds lovely. To the listeners, after our conversation, Rina will give us her three best tips on enhancing our intrapersonal intelligence and then it will be fun question time. Rina, in the lull between COVID-19 waves, we grow so tired of focusing on the pandemic. But when the pressure builds, as is the case in South Africa at the moment, we realize we need help, or at least hope. And then the word resilience comes to mind. Why do we need to be resilient? Is it really necessary? Um, you said the word that actually resonates with me, and that is hope. So I think we need to keep that at the back of our minds and realize resilience is all about having hope and not feeling like it's the end of the world. So we, the easiest way to answer your question is to ask yourself a couple of questions. And then what I would like you to do is ask yourself, have you ever been through a difficult time? For example, you've been divorced, you've been in a car accident, you've applied for a job and you didn't get the job, um, you lose someone that you love dearly, um, you've been hijacked, you suddenly become ill. If your answer is yes to any of those questions, um, you will understand that we really need resilience to be able to cope with change, adversity and setbacks. It don't mean that it have to be an intensely traumatic experience. On a day-to-day -day basis, we actually need to be resilient. What is true resilience? That's a good question because I think people have lots of different perceptions of what resilience means. When I do learning and development programs in organizations, sometimes people say things like, oh, you know what, just build the bridge and get over it. Or they say things like, man, just put on your big old panties. Um, I want to stress that is not what resilience means. True resilience means that you go inside yourself, you use your own inner strength, and you need to deal with what's happening to you in a meaningful way, regardless if it's just a change situation or if it's a setback. And the ability to recover your strength and your energy and your health after a difficult situation. But there's also a perception that if you bounce back, because resilience is actually the process of bouncing back, that you're going to function the same than before the setback happened to you, but that's actually not true. You won't be the same than before this specific situation, but the idea is that you emerge even stronger afterwards. There's a wonderful quote that we can look at, and that um, is by Oliver um, W. Holmes that said, what lies behind us and what lies before us are actually tiny matters compared to what lies within us. So resilience is the strength that we have inside ourselves to deal with difficult situations. Which also means it will be there all the time. Yes, it's not going to disappear. So if I later on give you some guidelines on how to deal with 
and difficult situations, it's not because I'm negative, but I think we have to understand we live in a real world and we need to have the skill to be able to bounce back. Yes. Now, at this time, uh, I feel, and I'm sure I'm not the only one, especially in South Africa, where COVID is different from other parts of the world at the moment, uh, I feel I'm tired of being resilient and strong and I really long to have a normal life again without change and setbacks. I think and most of us are at this stage where we feel enough is enough. Initially we thought it's just going to be three months and now it's almost 16, 17, 18 months later. So people feel that they're tired of just being strong all the time. But I think it's a misperception that we think we need to be strong all the time in order to be resilient. Resilient means that we need to allow ourselves to process the emotions. We need to go through the anger and the depression and the denial and all the negative emotions. So we don't have to be strong all the time because if we are strong all the time, it actually means that we suppress our emotions and we don't process them. So true resilience is actually allowing yourself to go through that and allow yourself not to be strong for a while, but don't get stuck there and then move forward again. Oh, that's quite a relief. <laughs> I think so for all of us, yes. You talked about bouncing back. How long does it take to bounce back? Because it feels like sometimes it's quick and sometimes it takes forever. I think the, the most important thing here for me is it's depending on how important the setback is in terms of your value system. It's going to take you longer or shorter to process. So, for example, if you lose someone that you love dearly, that's close to you, it, it may take weeks, years, and if it's a child, sometimes even a lifetime. If it's a small setback based on your value system, like, for example, you get a dent in your car, except if it's a brand new car, then it may take maybe an hour or two. So I think we have to understand it don't take the same amount of time. It depends on how important it is for you specifically. But also people have different values. So for, for a certain person, they can go through the same setback in a much shorter time frame than another person because it's what's worked for you. Mm. And what can we expect to experience as normal emotional phases of resilience? I think it's important that we understand this. The, the first emotional phase that we normally experience is that of denial. So I can't believe this is happening to me. And that's very often where people get stuck because they, they don't want to accept that this is the reality. So that's a normal phase to go through. Then normally after that you get anger. And that anger can be directed at someone else. It can be directed inwardly um, against yourself and then you become depressed. Or it can even be directed against God or a higher being. So it's a normal second phase. After that, you normally get the phase where you want to turn back the clock. You just wish it was like before this happened to you, if I've just done this differently. And then after that, you normally get depression. And that's normally the phase that lasts the longest and where people find it very hard to come back again. After depression, you start to accept the reality. 
and then you get hope again and then you start to move forward. Now, although you can go through the spaces in exactly the way that I've mentioned them, it's also possible that when you get to acceptance, there come a day and you suddenly start to feel angry again or go back into disbelief again. So although you go through the phases in a specific sequence, it's possible to move up and down between them, but then you stay for a shorter time frame in that specific phase when you move back to that specific one. So you can see you're actually going forward. Yes, yes, yes. Before our podcast, you mentioned that the COVID phases of resilience differ from the normal emotional phases of resilience. Yes, there's, there's some people that have done some research. I think they're very similar. But what they found is that initially with um, um, COVID, there was a bit of optimism in people because the, the, the thinking was, um, oh, now I can do all the things that I didn't have time to do before. So people feel actually it's not so bad to be able to um, be in a lockdown and stay at home. And then after that, they experienced determination. I'm going to make this work. You know, I'm going to have a set routine and I'm going to push through and then we'll be okay again. And then after that, there was satisfaction and frustration. It's almost like the emotions start to conflict, like it's positive, but I'm getting frustrated because I don't want to be in this position anymore. And then people start to get depressed and then anger and then acceptance. And then lastly, they start to make some sense and meaning out of what's happening to them. So lots of people um, get to a stage where they realize, but maybe there's a bigger purpose in this and maybe I should find something new in this, maybe a new lifestyle, reevaluate my priorities. Um, and I think that's where the research were at, at that specific point in time. At the moment, I sense that people start to get tired again. So it's almost like it's an endless process. If there's an end point, it's easier for them to go through this. But now it's almost like, when will this stop? So we, oh, I'm tired. So yes, you need resilience to be able to deal with COVID. But I think that the faces were a little bit different um, because of the specific disease. Yes. And you mentioned bouncing back. Now, how does one do that? Um, I, I think for me, this is the important part. And sometimes people bounce back and they don't even realize that they've gone through a specific process. So it's almost they, as if they do it automatically. It's part of their normal being. They've learned the skill and they can do it. But I want to give people hope to, so they understand there is a logical or a cognitive process that you can consciously go through either on your own or by sitting with someone by actually doing specific things consciously. So the first um, question that someone needs to ask themselves to be able to bounce back is, what is the reality that they have to accept? And that's where people get stuck because they don't want to accept the reality. Once they've accepted the reality, the next step is, what can I learn from this? And we always learn from our experiences. Sometimes we learn negative things and sometimes we learn positive things, but we learn from our experiences. So the moment you start to learn from your experience, it starts to add value to your life. So it's not like something that's just bad and I want to delete it. I, I have a choice what I can learn from this. The next step after that is how can I start to think about what happened in a different way? So let's take COVID as an example. Um, instead of just thinking it's bad, everybody physically and emotionally and financially really go through lots of suffering and why is this happening? 
You can also say, but maybe I should look at it as an opportunity to start to do things differently or to do something that I haven't done but I actually would like to do. So I need to change how I think about this because as long as I say to myself, it's not fair, it's not supposed to happen, then I'm going to be stuck. Then after that, the next thing that I need to do is ask myself, what is the skills that I have at the moment that can help me to cope? And secondly, is there any new skills that I need to learn? So like with COVID, lots of people learned how to use all this media in a completely different way. But is there new things that I can learn that will help me to cope? And then the last um, phase in the process is I must make a conscious choice to let it go. And that's also where people get stuck because they let it go and then they take it back again and they let it go. So it's a conscious choice that you have to make. Once you've processed it, you have to let it go. And I think the mistake that people often make in terms of resilience and dealing with grief and change and setbacks is they go back so often that they almost wire their brains in terms of the negatives. So you need to go back and process. But once you've processed, you need to actually start to move forward. Because each time you think it shouldn't have happened, why me or what, any of those negative emotions, you actually create a hot um, neuropath in your head that actually um, is thought as a negative and not as a positive. So we have to decide consciously, I've processed it, I've been honest with myself, I've, I've been angry, I've been depressed, but now I make a conscious choice not to go back and consciously go and move forward. This process, do you have to write it down while you're doing it? You can write it down, you can do it in your head, you can sit with a friend or a colleague and do it, you can even go to a coach or a mentor or a therapist to do it. It's, it's sometimes happening or it's often happening simultaneously with the emotional process, but people don't always realize it's happening so you're not so aware so if you are someone that's not so aware you can consciously sit down and write it writing is in any case one of the best ways to process because you organize your thoughts but it's also almost like you create a flash disk that you can go back to so you don't have to stay in your mind all the time you know it's there and you can go back to it at any point in time but you don't have to think about it the whole time so do you take people through these through yes. this process. Yes, that's exactly what I do. That's yeah. one of the things that I do, yes. Yeah. yes. yeah, because I think it would be difficult for me to do it on my own. I think it would be, yeah. Yeah. it's better to have a, a more objective mind. You know, it's true in a way, but it depends also on your personality. Sometimes people need to talk and write down with someone else to process, mm. but other people need to go internally. The, the thing is, if you go on into your own mind and you process it internally you just have your own perceptions and your own boundaries so sometimes it's not so easy to be completely honest with yourself and to change your perspectives so sometimes it adds value if you can do it with someone else but you can also do it on your own if you want to mm. is there a way to grow our resilience and if you can do it how are you going to do it I think it's important that we understand we are all born with a certain amount or level of resilience. If I give you a practical example, um, the baby that want to walk, they fall down and they stand up again and they fall down and they stand up again. So it's not like now I, I couldn't stand up the first time and now I just stop. So it's resilience that makes them stand up again. So you have a specific amount of 
um, capabilities or skills that's naturally wired in, inside you, but you can also learn and you can also do certain things that enhance that. I think one of the most important things is to have a balanced lifestyle. Because if you don't look after your body in the right way, you have to work much harder on a mental level in order to be able to cope. So you have to make sure that you sleep enough, seven to nine hours per night, that you exercise, that you eat healthy foods. On a physical level, you need to do that. But you also need to um, make sure that your inner talk, your self-talk is positive. You have to practice forgiveness because sometimes the resilience is part and parcel that's linked to forgiveness. So you have to be able to forgive. You have to have a sense of humor. You have to set new goals. And I think some of the things that we can do is making small changes on a day-to-day -day basis. Like for example, just stop watching all the negative TV, <laughs> just as an example, because you're programming yourself in such a negative way. So I think what's important is that we have to understand we have the capability, but we can grow that skill. So it's almost like a muscle. If you use it, it becomes stronger. And there's certain practical things that make it easier for you to do that. Yes, and it's certainly something that will help you throughout your whole life, I think. It never stops. I would love to say to you, and um, you won't need resilience. You've gone through this horrible phase and now you're okay. Mm -hmm. But that's not how it works. It's re it's real. Life is real. And I think sometimes you get to a point, and I think you mentioned it earlier, that you think, but now you know what, I've been tested enough and I'm now strong enough and I'm tired of being... But the reality is... This is a real world. And I think how you process what's happening to you also impacts on your resilience. So if you think of everything in a negative light, it's harder for you to be resilient. So you have to have a positive mindset and attitude as well. Mm. What does a resilient person look like? <laughs> I think there's certain qualities that we look for in a resilient person. For example, um, courage, determination, flexibility the capability to be honest with themselves and the capability to change how they look at different situations. So there's certain qualities that's part and parcel of something of someone that's being resilient. And the person that, for example, can take risks and that are adaptable, the person that have an inner locus of control, have a sense of purpose and meaning. So there's, there's certain things that if you have those qualities, it's a little bit easier for you to be resilient. But I really would like to stress it's a skill that you can learn all emotional intelligence skills skills that you can learn. So you don't have to think, okay, I'm not very courageous and I can't take risk now, I'm not going to be able to be resilient. So you can actually push yourself and grow and learn the skills to become more resilient. Could you talk a little more about the inner locus of control? <laughs> Some more. I thought that's what you came to ask me. And the inner locus of control is what control you? Are you internally controlled in terms of how you think about stuff and how you appreciate yourself? How do you give yourself recognition? Or is the world is it the world outside you that pull your emotional strings the whole time? So let me just give you a practical example. If I value recognition very highly, but I need someone else to give me recognition, it means that person control my emotional strings. So that's an outer locus of emotional control. But if I change that just slightly and I start by giving myself recognition, and then if I get it from them, it's just nice, but I don't need it to that extent. So basically, inner locus of control is very often linked to high EQ or maturity that mean I'm actually 
happy and okay inside myself. And the things that I get from other people is like a bonus, but I don't need that because I've got the capability to process my thoughts and I'm aware of what I'm feeling. So, and I think that in short is an abbreviated <laughs> picture of inner locus of yeah. control. Thank yeah. you, that clarifies yeah. that. Yeah. Now, where can people discover more about the work you do and do you work online? I do work online, all the um, EQ-related skills that I do, um, I do either on a one-to-one -one basis in a coaching practice or via Zoom or via Teams, depending on what you have access to. I also do it on a direct personal basis at my office, but I also have online programs, so all the skills are available online, so you can go to my um, website um, is eqprofession.co.za. You must, um, you must say that slowly. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I tend to talk too fast. Um, it's eqprofession.co.za or they can email me at hdeclerc at iafrica.com and then I can send them the information. So all the things that I do is either available on a one-to-one -one basis or in a group basis or on online programs. Um, so there's access to all the different needs. Yes, I'll also link uh, your website address to the podcast. Okay, thank you so much yeah. for that. Now for your three best tips on enhancing your own intrapersonal intelligence. I think the one that I would like to start with, I'm not saying it's the most important one, is the one about thankfulness. I honestly believe if you have a positive mindset and you can focus on the things that you have and not on all the things that you want or that you don't have, then um, everything inside you internally changes. So it's you have a different energy around you. It's easier for you to interact with the people around you because you just look at the world through different glasses. So I strongly recommend that you start every day with just thinking about five things that I'm thankful for. It can be like, I, I, I woke up this morning, I can get out of bed, my muscles are not so sore that I can't get out of bed. Sometimes they are if you get older. But, but the reality is just focus on all the small things that you can be thankful for. I think that's my first one. The second one, and I think that's for me the sad one, in a sense that we have unlearned to be human beings. So what do I mean when I say that? We are born with the capability to be in touch with our emotions. So we realize our hearts beat faster and a, a small child throw a tantrum and they kick and yell and shout. What do we do when we feel that anger or that frustration? We put on a mask and pretend everything is fine. But in the meantime, your heart beat faster, your muscles contract. There's a lot of physical things happening inside your body. So I would strongly recommend that people just get in touch with themselves again. Spend some me time with yourself where you just listen to what your body is trying to tell you. Because long before you have to start to control your emotions or interact with other people, your body is actually telling you this is positive or negative and that gives you the guidelines of how to deal with the situation. So emotional awareness is really, really crucially important for every person. And then I think another thing that's very important is self-acceptance. Um, I can go on for hours about self-acceptance, but people have this picture that they're supposed to be perfect and they must be able to do everything all the time. 
I re my wish is that people really get to a point where they realize each of us have natural strengths. Go with your natural strengths. The things that you are naturally good at doing, do that. Um, identify your growth areas and make a personal commitment to work on the growth areas that's important for you. But please don't wait until all those growth areas are okay before you start to accept yourself because then you will never accept yourself because for the rest of your life you will have new growth areas. So the moment you realize, but you know what, I will never be good at needlework or being a carpenter or whatever, that's fine. But what can I do? I'm actually maybe a very good gardener or I can write stuff. And go with the things that come natural and easy for you and just work on the growth areas that make a significant difference in your life in terms of your value system. And then realize it's okay to be who you are. I, I find so many people that actually they... <laughs> are 30, 40, 50 years old and they still are not authentic and true to themselves because they really struggle to, because of the perceptions of the world of what they're supposed to be. Accept yourself who you are. I really think it's one of the most important things. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Thanks, Rina. And now for your fun question. Are you ready? Oh my goodness, must I answer honestly? <laughs> <laughs> well, I won't say anything, we've just heard a lot about honesty. <laughs> yes. Fortunately for you, we are entering the realm of the imagination here. Okay. If you could be any small creature with wings from nature or from your fantasy, what would you like to be? I think I would like to be something like a sugar bird. <laughs> They're so absolutely beautiful and they actually go from one beautiful flower to the next one and spread their love. And I think, I think maybe I would like to be a sugar bird. <laughs> that sounds lovely. Thank you, Rina, for your time and for the information. That, that will help me a lot for one. I really enjoyed this. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm. And to our listeners, if you found this episode helpful, please share it with someone you care about. If you'd like a more fulfilling relationship with your beloved, if you wish parenting could be easier, or if you're interested in upping your emotional well-being, you're welcome to visit my website, mariettesneyman.co.za, for free articles and podcast episodes. Calm, Clear and Helpful is compiled, hosted and edited by me and the music is by Mart-Marie Sneijman. Catch you next Tuesday at 9. <laughs>